0: Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about three mid Packers and we don't find anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back. To dedicated Packers. It is Sunday, December 24th, and today your Green Bay Packers took down the Carolina Panthers 20... nope, not 20... 33 to 30. It was um, an interesting game. Definitely some positives, definitely some negatives. Before we really talk about too much, I would like to get the obvious out of the way. Yes, the audio is worse today. I'm recording away on vacation, but it's not going to change anything because we went through the game, we've rewatched the game at this point, and there's a bunch to talk about. So before we jump into it, though, let's just quickly mention a couple of bits of news that happened before the game. Bo Melton, Benny Sapp, both elevated for the game. Bo Melton's elevation pretty necessary with Christian Watson being out, and then we'd learn Just shortly before the game, that Jaden Reed would be out too, and then Benny Sapp, the safety being elevated, that was needed too. With Darnell Savage missing this game, that's what you had sort of going into the game. Right before the game, an hour and a half before, when inactives are declared, we learned exactly who would be out and who would be in. So Christian Watson, we pretty much knew he'd be out, but he was out. Aaron Jones wasn't on the on the injury report; didn't have a designation going in, so he was active, but. It's just worth noting, because it seems like he has gotten to a point where he's fully healthy. Darnell Savage, Devondre Campbell, they were both out. Luke Musgrave, Emmanuel Wilson, Luke Tenuda, they were all activated off of IR, but did not play today. Active today, Jair Alexander, Dontavian Wicks, AJ Dillon and Rudy Ford, inactive Jaden Reed and Robert Rochelle. It was pretty clear going in that the Packers were going to need to make up for the lack of playmaker talent that they had with Watson being out, Reed being out, Musgrave being out, and spoiler alert, at halftime, Dontavion Wicks would go out too. So yeah, tough, tough, tough blow for the entire really receiving core and the explosive element of the offense, but didn't really matter because going into our a quick summary of the game, the Packers came out strong, strong first half, they led 23 to 10, and you had to be feeling good. At that point, sure, you know, you don't like giving up 10 points in the first half to the Panthers, you put up 23, you're on pace for a 40-burger, good game. Second half didn't go as well. For the offense, they never really got in a rhythm, Matt said it in his postgame, they didn't get in a rhythm, but they did manage to put up enough points, ended up putting up 33 total on the game, so 10 in the second half. They managed to hang on by just three points because the Packers defense embarrassed themselves in that second half i mean you remember what happened in that tampa game this was miles miles worse just awful from the packers defense somehow they managed to hang on with the clock running out they had if the clock had been at 20 seconds when carolina had gotten the ball at the end of the game the game would have likely gone to overtime luckily it was at 19 seconds clock ran out Carolina couldn't get uh, couldn't get the spike off in order to kick a field goal. So the Packers hang on to win 33-30, but my goodness, what a poor defensive performance and fun offensive performance. That was, let's talk about notable plays, plays that need to be discussed. There's just one here for me. It's the love to Dobbs pass for 36 yards because this pass set up what was barely, thanks to the defense, but what did end up being the game-winning field goal. What happened? Well, it was third and five-ish in the Packers' own territory, around, around two, two minutes left, three minutes left, and D- Love drops back, throws a deep ball, rainbow to Dobbs. Dobbs goes up, sort of pulls the ball away, but as he goes to tuck it, and he manages to secure the catch, hits the ground, it looks all good. He then rolls over, and the ball kind of squirts out. And what's interesting is... In my mind, if if I could write the catch rule right now, just from scratch, that would be a catch because he was down with possession of the ball. He slid out of bounds with possession of the ball and then he rolled over, the ball came out. So in my mind, it should be a catch. According to the letter of the law, I don't think it's a catch because he has the ball, he's down with the ball, he slides out of bounds with the ball, but he doesn't, what's called controlling the ball through the ground he doesn't really do that and what that truly means i don't think I, I could totally tell you but the fact that he doesn't sort of fully stop his movement before the ball comes out means that i think just by the nfl rulebook it shouldn't be a catch luckily the officials went with their own definition call was ruled complete on the field it stood, so Packers get a 36-yard play there. A couple more, or one more first down, kick a field goal, end up winning the football game. But yeah, that was a massive play. It was close. It was definitely close. I mean, I'm not going to complain about the call, but I-, I do think they probably got it wrong. With notable plays out of the way, let's talk about some notable players. And spoiler alert, notable players are going to be of the offensive Kind because the offense actually played well today. First notable player, Bo Melton, dude, came out balled out, and everyone was going into this game talking about it's going to be the Dontavian Wicks show. It's going to be the Malik Heath game. Yeah, Wicks had a touchdown at the end of the half. Malik Heath had what two catches? But my god. Bo Melton, with a freaking day, four catches on four targets in the first half, 44 yards, had some really nice conversions, had a nice run on an end around. I think it was a fun game from Bo. He showed some really nice promise. And I think what Bo Melton showed you is that he's better than Samari Toure at this point, he should be Green Bay's wide receiver six. I think he he will be going forward. I think the Packers have clearly leaned towards giving him more opportunities than they have Samari Toure as of late. And I think that's the smart decision because I do think Bo Melton is the better player. I think he showed that today. He's a real speedster, but he didn't even use too much of that speed today. It was just all around solid play from him today. I was really, really, really impressed. Nice, nice day from Bo Melton. Great showing for him. My second notable player, Aaron Jones. What a freaking day from Aaron Jones. He had over 100 yards on the ground, and that is the first time this season that a Packers skill player has had over 100 yards either rushing or receiving. No Green Bay receiver, that means tight end, running back, wide receiver, or running back, has had 100 yards either rushing or receiving. Aaron Jones did it today and I think it's it says how impactful Aaron Jones was when you look at the fact that Green Bay didn't have Watson they didn't have Reed they didn't have Wicks they didn't have well they didn't have Wicks for half they didn't have Musgrave and every single drive Green Bay went three and out or at least it felt like it Aaron Jones didn't get the ball when Aaron Jones did get the ball they were moving the ball they were scoring points Jones looked awesome today. He looked so awesome today. He was cutting back. He was running, running really, really hard. He's so much fun to watch. I think, sure, maybe he doesn't have that breakaway speed that you get from a literal Olympic-level sprinter or something close to it in Devon A-Chain, but, man, Aaron Jones, he's still that dude. He is still that freaking dude An awesome, awesome game from Aaron Jones. Just, it was fun to see Matt give him the football and Aaron Jones pay it off. And shout out to the offensive line. Blocked well, too. My third player to watch, Jordan Love. And a lot of people aren't talking about Jordan Love. There are not a lot of people that are out there trumpeting this as what a game from Jordan Love. Because, you know, for the first couple drives, he he did rely on, on the ground game. Stats don't look overwhelming, though they look good. But man, he looked like a stud today. And what's crazy, what's so crazy, and the reason I think people aren't talking about it, is because we've come to expect that. Not just as Packers fans watching Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, but watching Jordan Love these past six weeks. We've come to expect him looking like he looked today. And he looked good, really good today. His touchdown, the touchdown drive, with two minutes left in the half— he made some incredible, incredible throws on that drive. I mentioned it. The first two touchdown drives, yeah, relied a little bit on the ground game. That's not to say he wasn't throwing the ball well. He was throwing the ball very nicely, was in rhythm with the passing game, ripping the ball with with the play-action game. It was awesome, right? But on that third touchdown drive, right before the half, he came out and he made some top-tier throws. There was a third-down conversion where he had to roll to his right, fading away Throws a sidearm strike to, you know who it is, Bo Melton, for a first down. Next third down, legitimate, like, two plays later, another third down. This time, Love rolls to his right and finds Dontavion Wicks in the middle of the end zone for a touchdown. They connect for six. Two incredible rollout throws to his right. What a job from Jordan Love. I mean, yeah, he had a miss here or there, but... It kind of wouldn't be a Jordan Love game if he didn't have one, right? Generally, he looked really awesome. The Packers, like, think about this. The Packers took away his first, his, well, three of his top four weapons in Watson, Reed, and Musgrave. Then, at halftime, they said, okay, now we're taking away Wicks. They did give him a run game, yeah, but they took away those four guys and Jordan said, all right, let's go put up some points and Love did it, yeah, yeah. He's the guy. He's the guy. Matt mentioned in his postgame that the QB sneak, they ran on the second drive to score their second touchdown of the game. Love audible to it. He saw the look. He audible to the QB sneak. Touchdown. What a freaking game. What a game from Jordan Love. And I think I'll end with this when talking about Jordan. Justice Mosqueda tweeted this out. Quarterbacks in NFL history with 28-plus touchdown passes, 12 or fewer interceptions, and an average yards per attempt of 6.92 plus over their first 16 career starts. The quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes, Dan Marino, Justin Herbert, Nick Foles, which is it's crazy Nick Foles is on that list, and then Chad Pennington who obviously had the had the brutal shoulder injury. Those are in Mahomes, Marino, and Herbert, three phenomenal quarterbacks. Nick Foles we can wipe him away from that great quarterbacks list and then chad pennington who i think most people would agree could have gone on to have an awesome career and now jordan love jordan love is that i don't know sixth quarterback to have 28 plus touchdown passes 12 or fewer interceptions and an average yards per attempt of 6.92 plus over their first 16 career starts what a game what a game from jordan love I, again i keep saying what a game and it's like yeah, it wasn't the Chiefs game, right? He didn't play that phenomenally, but he had another really good day where he looked like the guy, and we we're just expecting it. And that's that's exactly the world I want to live in. Injury standpoint, before we jump into my offensive and defensive notes, we do have to run through the injuries. Don Wicks, chest injury, was questionable to return at halftime, eventually ruled out It's just another brutal injury to a decimated Packers receiving core. I mentioned it. Three of the Packers' top four wide receivers, Watson, Reed, and Wicks, all are injured right now. Four of their top five weapons, if you want to include Musgrave. Uh, Man, the good news is that x-rays done today with Wicks revealed his ribs aren't broken, but he did say, you know, they're just going to have to see how the next few days play out to figure out whether or not he'll be ready for Packers Vikings next week. So you just, you got to hope he recovers, feels better, We'll see, but man, it it sucks. It sucks. Uh, Second injury, Tucker Craft. He went out after taking a tough hit. Sounds like he's okay. I think Matt said after the game he even believed he was cleared to go back in and play. So good news there. Sounds like Tucker Craft avoided anything major, which is awesome. Uh, But that's what we have on an injury front. With that out of the way, let's move into my offensive and defensive notes. Beginning, of course, with the offensive notes. And my first offensive note is that they did enough in the fourth quarter now there was some bad play calling in the fourth quarter there was some bad execution we'll talk about that first and then we'll talk about what they did well in the fourth quarter so from a bad standpoint Packers offense to start the fourth quarter they scored a touchdown on legitimately the first play of the fourth quarter it was third and goal they had you know a, whatever three minute drive that took up the third quarter go to the fourth quarter first play score a touchdown after that The offense had three drives and they went punt, punt, field goal. Their two punt drives and then, yeah, I mean, mainly their two punt drives were characterized by poor play calling and poor execution. The play calling, it was play calling to lose, and the execution was subpar. So on the first punt drive, I think they had their best call of the fourth quarter on first and 10, where Love did a little fake. Play action to his left, roll out to the right, and then he flipped his hips through an absolute dart in tight coverage to Romeo Dobbs. The ball went off of Dobbs's outstretched hand. It was pretty well covered. Love put the ball basically at the only place you could put it. Dobbs couldn't quite reel it in. Tough catch for sure. So that brings you to second and 10. And then Matt goes with a run. And my, 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 okay, I have two questions. First of all, why are you running it on second and 10 when you know you got to get a first down in your own end? I get sometimes it works. You do it over and over and over again. Please don't do it. But whatever. The run game had been working. Why are you running it with A.J. Dillon? You have Aaron Jones. Run it with Aaron Jones. They didn't run it with Aaron Jones. They were re- rewarded with poor execution. Get one yard on that play. And then third and long, poor position, I mean, you don't really expect it to be incomplete. It's not incomplete, or you don't really expect the pass to be complete. It is incomplete, and the Packers are forced to punt. So just a discombobulated drive all around, I'd say. Bad play calling on the last two plays. Kind of get what you get. I will say, mainly, that drive was tanked by that second down run call. On the second punt drive, first play, run to Aaron Jones. Good start! Good start. Matt learned. He ran it with Aaron Jones. Then what do you do? You run a a screen pass. I think it was a screen pass. And who do you run the screen pass to? Run it to Aaron Jones? No. Okay. Well, do you run it to a receiver? No. Um, Do you run it to a tight end? No. Who do you run it to? You run it to a a, a running back. Oh, well, we know they don't run it to Aaron Jones. So do they run a screen pass to A.J. Dillon? That seems weird. No, they don't. You know what's even weirder? They ran the screen pass to Patrick Taylor why why are you doing that the screen pass doesn't work gets blown up matt's awful awful play calling rewarded accordingly they lose a yard on that play why are that was possibly the worst play call of the game and then third and five nobody open jordan love has to go hero ball to bo melton no chance of completing that jordan was looking for a legal contact maybe a little bit there but That's not getting called. So incomplete there. They have to punt there. Yeah, it was tough. Those were two tough drives. Matt said they didn't really get into a rhythm. It's true. They didn't. Not good enough. Not good enough from a play calling standpoint. Not good enough from an execution standpoint. The runs were questionable. The run with AJ Dillon was questionable. The screen pass was questionable. But then even on those plays, the blocking wasn't good enough. So that was disappointing. But then, all of that being said, the offense came through when they needed to. Panthers, they go down. So it's it's 20. At one point, it was 23 to 16. Packers score a touchdown. Make it 30 to 16. Panthers go down, score first touchdown. Give the ball back to Green Bay. Green Bay punts. Okay. Panthers go down. Score another touchdown. 30-30. Green Bay gets the ball. And what happens? I'll tell you what happens. Jordan Love connects with Romeo Dobbs for a massive catch. First down Packers, we talked about whether or not it was actually a catch, whatever. They rule it a catch, so massive 36-yard completion there. Jordan with another extremely tight window throw to Tucker Craft, who turns upfield. Massive first down there because what that did was it forced Carolina to waste all their timeouts. Green Bay was able to then run the clock, kick a field goal with 19 seconds left, and nope, it wasn't pretty in the fourth quarter. It especially wasn't pretty from a defensive standpoint but the Packers scored the field goal when they most needed it. They were able to get it down to 19 seconds so that the defense couldn't choke the game and they were able to pull off the win there. That's what I have as my first offensive note, right? Discombobulated fourth quarter, but they got it together when they needed to. A little bit more positive here. My second offensive note, let's look at those first three quarters because holy cow, what a game they put together for three quarters there. In the first half, they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, end of half, which was an incomplete Hail Mary. Coming out of half, yes, they punted first, but then they put up a touchdown. And if you exclude the end of the half Hail Mary, that means they went five for six in scoring and scored touchdowns on four of six drives. That's pretty freaking phenomenal. And you want to look at the most impressive part? They did it without Christian Watson, they did it without Jaden Reed, they did it without Dontavion Wicks for a half, and they did it without Luke Musgrave. I mean, what? What? Matt, he was asked after the game, was this kind of what you envisioned the offense like going into the year? And Matt was like, yeah, it was. Why? Why? today he was able to get the run game going and the first two drives fed off of the run game and play action and it worked beautifully they were in sync under center hard under center under center under center under center oh jordan drop back play action 15 yard gain it was beautiful again first two drives beautiful run the ball play action off of it the third touchdown drive this was kind of what we saw with aaron Rodgers. it didn't always have to be run the ball play action Maybe you need your top-tier quarterback to make a play. Jordan went in there, made a couple awesome plays, another touchdown drive. This is how Matt LaFleur's offense was meant to be set up. And we saw it today. It was an awesome three quarters all around. They were in control. I think it's really tough to say too many good things when you put up 33 points. Most points the offense has put up all season. And the Panthers defense, I know it's not awesome, but it's not this awful defense. It was was a near-vintage Matt LaFleur game. Good run game, very strong quarterback play, awesome offensive production even without your top receivers. What a game. What a freaking game, Matt. Defensively, I think the only way to do it is to rip the Band-Aid off. And I don't have two defensive notes. I have one defensive note for you. And that defensive note is pretty simple. It is what an embarrassment. An utter, unsurprising embarrassment. You watched the game. You probably aren't surprised by what I'm saying, but let's just look at what this Green Bay defense allowed Carolina to do. The worst offense in football. What did Green Bay allow them to do? Well, Panthers were 2 and 12 going into this game. They're now 2 and 13, and exactly 1 year ago versus the Lions on December 24th, 2022. That was the last time the Carolina Panth- Panthers put up 30 plus points. What? Exactly a year ago, and Joe Barry came in and said, "Hmm, this seems like a good day to uh to let them do it again." Carolina put up four touchdowns on Green Bay for the first time this season, or was it three touchdowns? Pretty sure they put up four touchdowns against Green Bay for the first time this season. Bryce Young he put up over three hundred yards for the first time in his rookie season. Carolina embarrassed Green. It was. It was embarrassing on so many levels and it was just so easy for Carolina because players were open all game and I joked going into this game, I said, you know, this is the game I'd have circled if you're a Panthers fan because this is the game where Joe, Mar- Joe Barry makes him look really awesome. Except I wasn't totally kidding. There was certainly some truth. I definitely felt some truth in, in that statement. I definitely felt like, It was a good possibility that Joe Barry came out and and would make Bryce Young look competent. But Joe Barry did so much more than that. He didn't turn this player in Bryce Young, who hasn't looked good for all of this rookie season, into a player that looks decent. He turned him into a guy that looks like he should be in the running for all pro. With the stats he was putting up, with the the ease with which he was completing passes, I mean, Bryce Young didn't struggle. At all, And after two three and outs, thanks to a a roughing the punter penalty on the first drive for the defense, they just gave up big play after big play after big play on every following Carolina drive. Tommy Tremble, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, it didn't matter who was getting the ball. They were making big plays. It was so bad. It is so awful to watch this defense. And the worst thing, the worst thing I've seen from Joe Barry's defense all season came in this game. And it was the final drive where the Packers kick the field goal to go up 33 to 30 with 19 seconds left on the clock. And Carolina gets the ball at their own 25 with 19 seconds left. So Carolina has to go, I don't know, what do you want to say field goal range is? Should we say it's the, it's the 40 where you can kick a field goal? That's still a 57-yard field goal. But let's just say Carolina's trying to get to the 40. So that means they have to get 35 yards. 35 yards in 19 seconds. What would you do? You're a baby. You're a 7-year-old. What do you do? Well, you probably don't let them get to the sideline cuz if they get out of the bound cuz if they get out of bounds, they can stop the clock. You get more plays in there. If you force them in the middle of the field, they probably have two plays, right? First play. Again, this is easy basic beginner stuff. First play 25-yard completion on the sideline out of bounds. I Are you kidding me? The first play, Joe Barry leaves a massive chunk on the sideline for a first down. Second play, Joe Barry leaves the middle of the field wide ass open for the easiest completion you've ever seen to Adam Thielen at the 30-yard line. Carolina got 45 yards in two plays. Luckily, thank God Almighty above 19 seconds left on the clock wasn't quite enough for Carolina to be able to get two plays and spike the ball. They couldn't quite get the spike off, but I, I, I mean, my goodness. It was, it was so unbelievably bad. So bad. And to, to think that if Green Bay's offense had left 20 seconds left on the clock, if Matt LaFleur had wanted to play it a little bit safe, and instead of calling the timeout before he kicked the field goal, you know like one second before the play clock expi- expired if he'd if he'd called the timeout 2 seconds before Carolina actually would have tied that football game up i mean it's just it's impossible for me to add any sort of analysis here because Anything I say is just blatantly obvious. You watch the game. Guys are running wide ass open every play. And it doesn't matter if the front four does anything. Even with Preston Smith and with Sean Gary getting pressure seemingly every other play, it doesn't matter because people are wide open. And it's not like we can say anything else awful about this defense. It's not like the run defense is also looking like the worst thing in the world. It looked fine, right? It looked fine. It's not like... They're getting gashed on the ground, so Joe Barry has the excuse of saying, "Well, how's our secondary supposed to, to you know, recover when they have to play up every play and in worrying about the run?" That's not a threat. Like the run defense was fine today. The front four was pretty good, getting pressure. They weren't excellent, but they were pretty good. But the game plan, the execution in the secondary, the play calling, the coverage, everything is atrocious. And the fact that Matt Lafleur would even consider keeping Joe Barry? I don't know if he is. I would hope he's not. But if he is, my God, I mean, I need to have a word with you, Matt, because it is it is so awful. It is awful to anyone that watches the game. It is awful to anyone that covers football. I mean, every single third and long, it felt like Caroline would convert. And you get the jokes on Twitter of, oh, third and long, cue up the first down. But the worst part is... It's not even a joke, because it happens every single time. I mean, Joe Barry needs to be gone yesterday. And to be clear, I don't expect him to be gone until the end of the year, but he needs to be gone. Miscommunication, misalignment, not getting the call-in, players playing poorly, the schematic and entire approach sucking. We're going to have such an off-season episode to dive into all of it. But, oh my God god it is so bad and so mind-numbingly painful to watch that's really all i can say that's my one defensive note just time to rant because that's that's how i feel about this defense with that being said let's go then into my final segment my players to watch segment so First player to watch, Tucker Craft. This one was a tough call for me. He had four receptions for 60 yards, but they were a very valuable 60 yards. He had a, a massive catch. That catch was what uh, forced the Panthers to use their timeouts and pretty much iced the game there. He had another big catch early on in the game where he hurdled or attempted to hurdle a guy, um, almost got hit in the nuts again. It's tough. It's it's a tough call because he didn't have this, you know, massive, incredible game where it makes it obvious. But I will say what Tucker Kraft brings every single week, that big South Dakota kid energy, the I'm doing this for my team. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna fight tooth and nail every single week because I love football and I love the Green Bay Packers. He brings that. I love it, and I'm gonna give myself the W here because of that. So that'll move me to nine and twenty on the year and players to watch. My second player to watch, Lucas Van Ness, will bring me back down to 9-21, and 21 because he didn't do so much. He he had a penalty early on on special teams, didn't really have a splash play anywhere. This was always a reach, right? Picking Lucas Van Ness as a player to watch. It played out as such. I don't think he had this incredible game. Don't really think he, he did too much notably. But, again, it was a reach. Not too dis- disappointed by this one. So 9-21 and 21 there. One for one in players to watch this week. Not that bad when you look at it on the whole that's what I have for you today I mean look you could say there are so many things you could say about this Packers team so many things I want to say but I think when it comes down to it you kind of just have to you kind of have to look at this game for what it was and what it was was a game where the offense looked really good arguably some of the best they've looked all year the Packers won which is another positive positive. and I get that it sucks when the defense sucks because usually that means players aren't playing well but in some ways it's almost better if they suck right you don't want Joe Barry to put together a bunch of competent games against incompetent offenses and then have uh, Matt LaFleur think oh maybe I should keep him you really you just you kind of want you kind of want to put the nail in the coffin and just have Joe Barry make it very clear that Joe Barry is the problem. I think this game was yet another step in the process to making it clear that Joe Barry is the problem. So so that's how I'd look at this game, right? Offense looked good. You saw so much promise there, which is exactly what you want to see. Defense sucked, yes, but that means Joe Barry's job is looking more and more in jeopardy. And then overall, It's Christmas Eve, and the Packers won a football game. And when it comes down to it, when you look at all those games in October, where I said, man, you would really would have liked to sneak out of here with a victory. In this game, they snuck out of there with a victory. They win in Charlotte, beat the worst team in football, barely, but they do beat them. And yeah, that's just uh, just where I want to leave it. I do want to leave it. I think Andy Herman, pretty funny uh, tweet he put out there. The fact that Jordan Love is playing as well as he is this season and doesn't even have the benefit of playing against the Packers' defense is incredible. That's all I'd say. That's all I say. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. So I'll see you again. I'll see you on Wednesday. TBD on when that episode's going to come out. It might be very early on Wednesday. It might be very late on Wednesday. It might even be on Thursday because it's it's going to be, going to be tough. But, um, for travel purposes, but... I'll try to get it out then. Regardless, it'll be out Wednesday, Thursday, one of those days. We're going to preview Packers-Vikings, but until then, thank you so much for listening. And just remember, I know you want to have visions of sugar plums and candy canes dancing in your head tonight as you go to sleep on, on Christmas Eve. But try to save some room in there for... Images of, of Jordan Love throwing touchdown passes to Don Tavion Wicks and Christian Watson and Jaden Reed. So I'm gonna say offense looked good. Until next time. Go pack go.